This podcast was produced by Morley Radio. Welcome everyone to Artcast. The podcast is a series of informal discussions with professional artists and designers accompanied by students who are studying with us at the Chelsea Centre. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by British documentary photographer and photojournalist Martin Parr. His photography intimately documents modern life, in particular the social classes of England and the wealth of the Western world. Since 1994, Parr has been a member of Magnum Photos, He has had around 40 solo photo books published and is featured in around 80 exhibitions worldwide, including the international touring exhibition Par World and a retrospective at the Barbican Arts Centre in London in 2002. The Martin Parr Foundation was opened its premises in his hometown Bristol in 2017. This houses his own archive and gallery. So I've, I've got a range of questions related to collaboration and process and medium, but the first question I asked to sort of kick things off as an icebreaker really is, what is your favourite colour and why? <laughs> I, I guess I like red because it's so bright and cheerful. Do you find you look for red? Because I notice you have red. Red is quite a British symbol, post boxes and phone boxes and things. Do you find you yeah. find yeah. those things? Well, I have done projects around... Um, you know, phone boxes, and in fact, more so with the post boxes in the Scottish uh, islands. So, yeah, it, it's amazing when you're driving on the road in the most beautiful countryside and suddenly see a red post box in the middle of nowhere. So that's the thing that got me excited. And I started to document them and then started then to look for them and would often have to go back when the sun was in the right direction. Yeah, but other than that, I don't particularly look for red. If it's there, I'm very happy. Uh, uh, it's not something I'm thinking in when I'm out shooting, it just, uh, if I find red, I'll use it. So I was going to talk to you about working with external companies. Uh, you've collaborated with Magnum since 1994, and I was wondering if you could give some insight into how you negotiate working with uh, big companies such as that, and perhaps talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the video work you've done, uh, in particular mm-hmm. making a music video for the Pet Shop Boys. Well, first off, you can't really say that Magnum is a company, it's a cooperative and I started my, uh, I think it took me five years to become a full member. Uh, there's a lot of objections from various photographers about my work, so it wasn't a plain sailing as it would be with some people. So I started back in 88, 89, and finally became a member in 94. You know, and because I'm a member of a cooperative, I own the, I have a, you know, a share in the company. And their main job, of course, is to license the images that you've taken, is to fix up editorial uh, projects, cultural projects and commercial projects you can do outside Magnum. So I have a, a commercial agent who handles the work that I do for people like Gucci or whoever. And uh, I can also do that for Magnum. And that's that's really how Magnum works. And uh, we have an AGM, uh, which uh, is uh, always in the last weekend of June. I didn't go this year because it's always the same year as um, same weekend as Glastonbury, and I finally got to Glastonbury. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which I always wanted to go to and always had to miss as it being on the AGM of, for Magnum. So that was a great achievement to have finally done. Um, I mean, this week, we've got the Square Print Sale. I don't know if you've seen it. 
where we sell prints which are signed for a hundred dollars or a hundred uh, hundred pound. You should check it out if you're interested. Yeah, it's just for a week, isn't it? Yeah, cheapest way of ever buying a, a, a photograph of mine, for example, which is signed. And on the filmmaking front, you know, I, I've done some films over the years. It's uh, it's something I'd have liked to have done more, but you know, it takes up a lot of time. So it's one of those things where you either do more of it and do it properly, or basically you don't do it. So at the moment, I'm not doing it. I'm concentrating on uh, just doing more still pictures. Tell tell us more about the films, which. Uh, well, the best thing to do is to go on my site and look at different clips. I think there's five or six films there. <clears throat> there's one I did when I toured around England. There's one about a sweet factory. One about um, called Turkey and Tinsel, where people have uh, Christmas in November, and they go through all the rituals of uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, etc. And there's one about um, a woman who had cancer. And uh, that's ironic, because I've got cancer now myself. I've got myeloma, which is... Um, basically cancer of the fluid in the spine. Uh, so I'm in remission from that. So I'm still able to operate and go out and shoot pictures, which is good. Um, what's the other question? Films. Well, I think the best thing to do is to, is to look at the clips. Have you done that at all? I haven't seen the clips at all. I've looked at okay. other documentaries well, in your old book, other books. Um, so that's very exciting to hear about film work. If you choose to look, there's a lot of blogs on there. There's lots to read, lots to look at. There's even a radio program on there that I did for Radio 3. So, yeah, there's plenty going on. Yeah, I, I had a good look at, at your, your, your website. Um, I particularly like the, the, this England uh, movies and, and the stuff with John Shuttleworth, who some of us remember better as Jilted John, but that's going back a long, long that way. That is indeed, you're, you're right there, yeah. Um, I mean, I thought this England summed up um, the way you approach your photography uh, in, in terms of sort of getting really close to people and, and in, in this England you're talking to them uh, and in the photo series you're taking photographs of them. How, over the years, have you, have you gone to any scrapes doing that? Uh, first off, it's called Think of England. Oh, is it Think of England? Sorry, yeah. I thought it was the film, uh, the film is called that and indeed the, the book has got the same name. When I was shooting the book, I was using a macro lens, looking, if you like, for cliches of um, English life. Um, and to come on to your other question, of course, you know, you do end up sooner or later uh, with someone criticizing you or saying, I don't want my picture taken. It's against the law. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, most people are quite happy to be photographed. But inevitably, if you're out on the street, you're going to come across someone who doesn't like it and they'll make their position very clear. But that's just part of it's an occupational hazard of being a photographer. And it's one reason why maybe some of the photographers we have here don't like photographing strangers because they find it too intimidating. Is that the right, students? Hello, students. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about photographing people in the street? I was intrigued by the fact that you, you're now you're starting to use telephoto more, least That's what I read the other day, um, and whether that was was you know as a, as a result of them not having to get quite so close to people. Well, that's one of the benefits of telephoto. But yeah, I didn't do it just for that reason because I still go out and shoot pictures of people close up. You know, like I did at Glastonbury or whatever. Um, but I wanted to really experiment with the telephotos, see how it uh, translated into images. It's not something that's used very much in the documentary fine art world. And I did a book called Beach Therapy, where you can see those pictures and the experiments that went with it. But I still, I still do use it quite a lot. Uh, this summer I was using it quite a lot uh, when I'm out shooting. But I have the other camera, the other wide-angle 2470 zoom at the same time. 
And the beach is a recurring theme, isn't it? It's something you, you, you go back to again and again and again. Yes. I mean, it's when I, when I've got a new lens or something to explore, I usually go and look at the beach as being a, a, an opportunity to, um, to photograph. So, yes, I, I've used it as an experimental laboratory. Nothing to do with your time at Butlins, then? Well, it is because, you know, I like my time at Butlins. I had a good time there. Remember, I, as a kid, I wasn't taken to um, seaside resorts. So I'm sort of catching up with, um, you know, I, my parents were bird watchers, so we always went to marshes. And, and if we went to the coast, it would be to, uh, you know, a beach with waders on, but no uh, amusements. So I've been catching up for the rest of my life. And I think part of your inspiration, isn't it? Is it John Hind, his postcards? Yes, well, I like John Hind postcards. The bright colours are very attractive. And I discovered those, of course, when I was working at Butlins. Yeah, because he did work with Butlins, didn't he? He did. He did all their postcards around uh, the, the, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, which is just the time that I went to Butlins, first as a black and white walkie and second as a colour one. So you were actually a photographer at Butlins at the same time, were you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And did, do you think that helped you learn how to interact with people? Yes. I mean, it was a great experience. And, and that's one of the things that uh, came out of that is getting confidence to work with people, doing their pictures, knowing what they wanted. Heads together was always the thing that worked. If you're doing a picture of a couple, make sure their heads are together. If you want to sell it to them, that is. Well, on the grounds that they actually look like they like each other. That kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> I think you're famously quoted as having to say that you have to take an awful lot of bad photographs in order to get any good ones. That's I'm, right. I'm very good at taking bad photographs. How many do I have to take until I get a good one like yours? It depends how bad you are. You know, I haven't seen <laughs> your uh, folio, so I can't really judge that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, if I get 10 great pictures a year, I'd be very happy. Uh, and how, how many would you take to get 10 great pictures a year? Tens of thousands. So, many, of the, many of the pictures that aren't great still have a function because they describe the event that I'm at. So that, that's the sort of basic rule of documentary. And, you know, you want a document that also has some, some poignancy, some meaning, uh, some twist to make it work. So that's not something that comes easy. Um, hi there. Um, I was interested to hear you said you wish you'd um, maybe had time to make more film um, sort of, uh, over your career, but you know, we will have a limited time. And I just wondered, when you do make films, do you have a crew with you or do you just shoot them on a camera yourself? Because there's an intimacy to a lot of your photographs and I wondered if you had a whole crew sort of, you know, with sound and lighting and everything, whether that would change um, change things for you, how, how you feel about the subjects that you're either filming or, or shooting? Well, on most of the films I've done, I, I just have one person, no, two people with me, the producer who's sort of basically dealing with people, getting permissions, and, and someone doing sound. And I would do the camera and the, uh, and the discussion and the talking at the same time. A bit like Molly Deneen, if you know her at all. I don't know. She's a very famous filmmaker here, uh, and she sort of basically did, that was the system that she used. So you, are you? So what I don't understand is uh, here we are at Morley College, right? Is it a BA degree or what is it? Yeah. So the, we've we've got a mixture of courses. Uh, the students we've got today is a Karen's uh, HE Access course uh, student, and then you're a HNC. What does that mean? So Access <laughs> is um is uh, so I 
It's had a rather wayward teenage years, so I don't have any qualifications at all. And so wanting to, and having not been in education for a very, very long time, doing an access course allows me to learn the things that I sort of need to learn to get to the next. But if I choose to carry on education and do a degree, I can't do that without doing the access course. And I don't know enough of the basics of what you have to do to tick the boxes like writing analysis and writing essays so that's mm -hmm. part of what i'm learning to do on an access course but have you decided you want to be a photographer i do take pictures and i always have done and i um i used to work with a photographer um mm. and i i really enjoy it as a as a hobby and i um i think that's part of what i want to continue to do i'd like to learn of more sort of about it so rather than just going okay. off on my own so would you then go to a BA course I could do that I mean that that is an option after doing this course here there's lots of options open to me um, right. like um, I could do a BA course here I could apply to other universities okay. I could um, just continue with like a shorter um, sort of courses but the, for me, this is the stepping stone to the next bit. I right, think it's right. different for the other students, but that, that's my bit. Yeah. Okay. It's like well, a foundation well, course, well, isn't well, it? Well. And then the, the, the woman in the middle there. Hi, I'm Emma. It's that's an me, HNC, yeah. which is the first part of a BA, but I'm a fine arts student. I mean, I particularly love photography, so I was really keen to, to see you uh, and to hear what you have to say. But I'm very interested in process and the ideas um, and the relationship between photography and, and other art practices. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm... Uh, I like taking photos. To say I'd be a photographer would probably be, you know, a wish fulfillment. It's not something I'm planning to go and do, but I love photography in itself and looking at photos. And I love your work, actually. I was quite excited that you were on the list. Mm -hmm. And um, how do you, what sort of photographs do you take then? Oh, I take loads of snaps on my phone of silly things. Not people. I feel intimidated to take people because I, there's an issue of permission, which I'm quite, I was interested in your responses to that question. Uh, like there's a little rubber man on the floor this morning. I took a picture of that. So I've got a phone full of really random things. Okay, okay. Is there a particular theme coming through apart from the silliness? Yeah, it's the silliness. <laughs> no. Well, <I'm> <laughs> Human society, I'm, and that's one of the things I love about your work, is that you look at people and the interactions with the surroundings and each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And are there only two students here today? So there, there's two students here with me in the studio and then two remotely. If you just want to maybe introduce yourselves and say a little bit about what you're doing work-wise, the other two are photographers people. as well. Come on in, remote people. Um, okay, I'm John. I'm uh, just starting the BA Photography at Morley. Um, I have had a yearning to get involved in photography some way, shape or form for a long time uh, and have decided to as I think of it, run off and join the circus and and enjoy at least the course. Um, not necessarily to become a photographer. Personal interests, though, are uh, landscape, wildlife, street photography. Um, I wish I was better at portraiture, um, but uh, uh, 
there you go. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, what you were just discussing, I, I was roughed up on Sunday verbally by someone who uh, deeply objected to me taking their photograph or taking their photograph because they were included in the street scene I'd taken. I, I also have an interest in architectural photography um, uh, and the sort of... So this guy who came up to you, what, what did you say? I mean, it was a general shot you were doing. You weren't even doing a shot, just a yeah, I mean, he he was leaving a car park, uh, and I was taking a photograph across the car park uh, to the River Thames beyond. Um, but very unhappy, he got out of his car and very unhappy. Uh, I was a disgrace, and I had no right to take his photograph. And um, I'm sure you've heard it all before. You have the right to photograph anyone in a public place. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Legally, yeah, by the way. So always bear that in mind. It, it didn't seem like the type of conversation I wanted to sustain by coming back with that. But that was what I thought was the case. But thank you for the reassurance. Um, can I quote you next time? Did he ask you to delete the picture there and then? He did. Uh, and and you. Uh, I did simply because it was a way of ending the conversation. And I didn't feel I really needed the picture. Uh, and and he was at the at the time he was just being verbal, but um, he did seem very, very annoyed. Yeah, well, I think you did the right thing there because, um, you know, these things do happen, unfortunately. A lot of the time, you know, people are very pleased to be photographed. So, um, you know, there's another side to this sort of whole uh, discussion, really. And are you in the first year of the, of the BA course? Yes, the BA course is delivered, um, it, as you probably know, uh, High National Certificate functions as the first year of the BA, High National Diploma second year, and then the BA top-up, as it's sometimes called. And uh, I have literally just come into the uh, first year. They, Morley splits the course part-time all the way through, um, and I'm in the first part of the HNC, having started last month. Out of curiosity, what do they get you to do straight away when you when you land in the course? Um, lighting. Lighting is where we're beginning. Really? Yeah. Just lighting? In the studio? Well, it's uh, no, it's uh, lighting in the context of portraiture, but it's usually it it's it to some extent it's a kicking start kickstarting the way you think about um, how you're using photography, both on location shoot and in studio photography. Sounds a bit old fashioned to me. I mean, I get people out shooting straight away. Uh, oh, we are. We, we are... think it can happen later, as and when required. If you're a studio photographer, then there is an argument for doing some lighting. If you're out on the street, then it might be good to get to know how a flash gun works, because that's something you're going to need at some point in your life. That would be my lighting exercise. Get a flash gun and see what you can do. Thank you for that advice. Um, I'm, uh, and I, yeah, I know a secondhand photography shop I will be visiting at the weekend. But, um, but yeah, I'm... Um, uh, <laughs> Sorry, this is not quite the conversation I was expecting to have. But um, I'm interviewing uh, yeah, you, no, uh, Sorry, I'm interviewing you. Yeah, no, I had noticed you were doing that earlier. But um, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean that we do get parallel work, so uh, it's it's live shooting in uh, it's sort of theory mornings, live shooting in the afternoons. Um, uh, I, I had a question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you. Um, Obviously, uh, there are things you're well known for. You've obviously got broad interests. Are there any techniques, types of photography uh, or subject matter that you wish you'd had a bit more time to get back to or you, you want to get round to, if you see what I mean? Uh, well, if two of the things that are on my bucket list uh, were uh, the Royal Garden Party 
and um, Glastonbury. So I did Glastonbury this year. That was great. And, uh, you know, I got, uh, I sent a print to Emily, you know, Evis. She was very happy. So I'd met up with her before. So, you know, I got a personal invite to go, uh, which I think is going to be extended for next year as well, which is a drag because the uh, Magnum AGM is this year in London. So, Again, it always yeah. happens. Yeah, it always happens, but it has to be, you know. Uh, because recently I got given a CBE um, and the palace was so full with the investitures, they basically wrote to me and said, um, would you mind taking it uh, by your local Lord Lieutenant? So the next week, in fact, the Lord Lieutenant of Bristol is coming in to hand me out uh, my CBE, the medal, whatever it is. I have no idea what it is. But what they did say is if you do that and not come to London, we'll give you three tickets plus your own uh, guests to the garden party. So off we all went. Went with my wife and uh, our daughter and her girlfriend, and uh, I had a great time shooting away. But of course, I can't use them, you know, because legally you're not allowed to show pictures taken in the garden party. So what I'm doing now is, whenever I do a talk, I'm going to show these pictures just so people can see the censored pictures. I, I think it's a bit bonkers, really. So I mean, maybe you know, I could have them published in Australia. No one noticed in the palace. So yes, I have now got censored pictures, which I can't show you because I don't know where they are on the computer. Was there anything surprising that came out of taking those? Uh, not really. It was as I expected. I, what you don't realise, you know, if you go to a garden party, you think, oh, it'll be 100 people. There's 7,000 people. Uh, and they're all queuing up for the cakes and the sandwiches are pretty good. And the queues for them are pretty big. Uh, and that's it. You just wander in. And then a, a royalty comes out, I think, this year. And they all sort of queue up and line up because the Queen was no longer doing it back in May because she was very unwell. So they had uh, William there. So that was um, OK. And uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I think just William was the main star. I didn't bother queuing up to try and get anywhere near him. Did you take a picture of him with your telephoto lens? No, I didn't even bother. No, I just, I just took pictures of the punters. All 7,000 of them. I probably not with everyone, but. Um, and I had no problem, by the way, in getting permission to take people's pictures. I just took them. Because everyone's taking selfies left, right, and center, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, you, you made a series called Death by Selfie, which was compiled into a book. And you stated that India was the biggest selfie taking country on the planet. Is that, is that sort of an anecdotal experience, or is, is there, have there been research into that? <laughs> that is from experience, because, you know, the only two countries that would have any chance of topping that. Um, number is China and, uh, and India. And I've been to both a good few times, and there's no doubt about it. The Indians are more crazy about uh, taking selfies. And if you go to Wikipedia, death by selfie, you'll find India, the numbers there are always way ahead of anyone else. So I therefore assume if more people are being killed by taking selfies, more selfies must be taken. So that's what sent me to India to get a whole load of selfie pictures put in that book, which you may have seen. You, you started that, that theme with selfies in Small World because the, the front cover's got a picture of, of hands going up with the... Yeah, no, that's the, the second edition. Fact. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, yes, by the time the second edition came out, which was um, maybe 10 years ago, the selfie had, uh, had really come into being and was um, very popular. And that's the picture in it. And the Louvre, if you go to the Louvre and you go and see the, um, you know, what's it called, the Madonna? No, the what's the name of the big painting there? Mona Lisa. <laughs> Yeah, the Mona Lisa. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you can hardly see it because there's a, a ten people in front of you uh, trying to also take a selfie. So yes, it was a good place to do, uh, you know, phone pictures of uh, Mona Lisa. 
uh, there is a trend, isn't there, for, for trying to get smartphones into professional photography? Is it something you would ever dabble in? Yeah, I mean, the phone quality is getting better and better. So, yeah, uh, I mean, one thing about a phone is that it's not very threatening. You know, so if you are trying to sneak pictures on the street and you're intimidated by using your big DSLR, then a uh, phone is probably the best way to get around it. And, I mean, I, I think the i14 has probably got huge files now. I mean, I haven't studied it, but um, they're getting better and better all the time. So you're teaching photography. I haven't, I haven't interviewed you yet. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the, the, the final throes of my uh, uh, time at Morley College. I'm doing the BA top-up. So I started um, in 2016 by going around one of your exhibitions um with the swan upping um and oh, really? the, the city oh, the one in the city of london great yeah yeah i did i did uh, it was in tower bridge um gallery oh in, yes in, i know yeah inside yeah, i know that um and and yeah. when i was um when i was having to sit my interview for that yours was the exhibition i went round to write up my oh very good well um, thank you uh my uh my report on that and um you helped me get into morley so thank you very great. much for that great um, but I, you I've just say you're retiring well, I'm not retiring. I'm 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 finishing my BA, so I've got this year and then next year. Oh, okay. Oh, right. So you're a mature student. I am, and you're about. And do you hope and expect to generate any income from photography when you leave? That's that's the plan. Um, I spent um, my most of my working life actually producing videos. Um, I'm ex um, BBC um, journalist and video producer. And I sort of had a bit of a midlife crisis and then looking after children about five or six years ago, I decided I wanted to reinvent myself as a photographer, um, basically because I spent a lot of time carting around video gear, getting it all set up and thinking, actually, if I was a photographer, I could have taken several photographs and got <laughs> out here by now, right. rather than having to, 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 to do all the paraphernalia that goes with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. I like to put humour in anything I try to do, although... I should also accept that. I think there's a great, another great quote I thought from you, which was you said, some of us spent your entire career uh, making serious photographs disguised as entertainment? Well, yeah, it, it, that's basically an accurate uh, depiction. I mean, I say my priority is to, is to make an entertaining picture to draw the person in, you know, bright, colourful, with a, you know, quite an interesting composition. And then behind that, there is also some politics there if you want to read into it. But I don't sort of throw my politics first into the hat as being the main thing to draw people in. I, I, I think my main responsibility is to get an interesting photo. Yeah, and I guess that's evident with the Everybody Dance Now series where you're really engaging with communities across the whole of society, various different forms of informal and formal dance. But there's obviously political undertones with, with all forms yeah. of music yeah. and musical yeah. genres. I think, and I think they're there if you want to look for them. So tell me, uh, what niches in photography do you think you can generate uh, enough to be sustainable in? I, I'm sort of looking at a combination of things. Um, in terms of documentaries, I'm looking at, at, at dogs and dog walkers. Right. Um, because I think that might be, uh, in terms of a, a Martin Parr-esque uh, oh, occupation. Do you know the book by Keith Arnett called Walking the Dog? No, I don't know that one. There was so one. There, I... is, there is a book on uh, you know people with their dogs, which is very good by Keith Arnett. Right. So do, do check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. There, there was one um, called Dogs in Cars, um, which was 
set up they're all um they're all set up shots because we all know you shouldn't leave dogs in cars mm-hmm. um uh, and it's by the 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 gen- he runs a small publishing company um in fact it might be a large publishing company but it's a side niche of it and there was a, the, the latest photo london i went to um not cafe royal no i don't think it's cafe royal i'm trying to remember it off the top of my head now because i very hey, nearly Harry lewis someone like that could be could be i can't remember off the top of my head but there are lots of i mean you know elliot Elliot erwitt all that i've got his dogs books i've got dogs in photography Mm -hmm. and it's just a i don't know whether you agree with this and it's a bit like writing books i think you sort of have to try and focus on something that you can do regularly it's about Mm -hmm. getting out there and shooting stuff the whole time Mm -hmm. which is where i get all my bad photographs from right okay well good luck with your um so you'll you, you'll be leaving in May. This is your last year. No, it's it's a two year because it's part time. So we do one day a week. Okay, right, right. So I've got this year and next year. So we've got a, a, a big supposedly have an exhibition in June of eighteen print uh, eight prints, um, which we then have to produce, and that's our sort of job for the year. It actually gets, seems to get a bit easier in the final part of the BA as opposed yeah. to the HNC and the HND. And your journalism career has just basically stopped. Uh, well, my journalism uh, career stopped quite a long time ago, actually. Um, I used to work on, um, I don't know if you remember, John Craven's Newsround. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've worked on that as a, a reporter and um, yeah. journalist on there. And then I went into um, I went into video production after that, and I did that for 20-odd okay. years. Wow, very good. Okay, well, good luck. Thank you. Have a, yeah, dogs that are irresistible, I understand. Have you got dogs yourself? I've got a, uh, yeah, I've got a golden retriever who I'm desperately hoping is going to keep quiet in, in the house. If I have to disappear at any point in time, it's to shut him up. Have you seen William Wegman's work as well? I have, yes, yes, yeah. with Man Ray and Fay Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just only wish my golden retriever was as well behaved as they were and I'd get some more decent shots out of him. <laughs> I was going to ask about if you were thinking about ever doing another cost of living uh, project, especially considering as the, the gap between classes seems to be going only one way. Uh, probably not, actually. I mean, uh, that's something I did back in the 80s. And uh, I mean, so nowadays, you know, I'm somewhat limited with my um, disability as, as to what I can shoot. So it's easier for me to sort of go around events like Glastonbury, going to the beach, going to the seaside, going to different uh, events. Uh, you know, that's an easier life for me than actually trying to pin down. You know, if I was to do another middle class project, I'd have to go and meet people get access to their houses, do portraits in their houses. It would be quite demanding. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm 70 now, so I'm getting on a bit. And of course, my disability means it's more difficult for me to get around and circulate. Uh, you know, two years ago, I could have thought about it. But nowadays, with my disability, I just can't do it. The answer is nice idea in principle, but no. Martin, if you were 25 again, and, <laughs> and, and given and given the um, the, the way we seem to be heading both socially and economically you you're 25 and hungry where where would you be going to to try and capture some more of of, of the photographs that you like to do well i mean i i would have done exactly what i did which is uh you know first i moved to hebden bridge which i enjoyed it was um you know a declining mill town but up and coming as a tourist location i don't know if you know hebden bridge at all um vaguely vaguely yeah. And then, then we moved to Ireland because my wife had a job as a speech therapist in County Leitrim. Then we moved back to Liverpool and just down the road is New Brighton, shabby, but yet engaging. And that's really what I did when I changed to colour. And that's still my most popular work. You know, the New Brighton Last Resort book 
it's on its eighth edition or something it keeps selling and it keeps ticking over so um i couldn't have chosen anything better oh, and why do you think new brighton did take off with people was it because actually it sort of got critically challenged well yeah i mean the, the people in magnum like philip jones griffiths who led the campaign against me uh, you know they thought this is a cynical thatcherite overtake you know the, i mean the the phrases they use this is these are all published the letters from philip in a book called magnum manifesto so if you want to read them you can do so and uh, of course not only that but a lot of people didn't like it but since then people have mellowed you know i think um i sell more prints from the last resort project than any other by far so uh, they keep on going out the studio so i'm not complaining about that because i mean there was labeled patronizing wasn't it at one stage yeah oh i mean everything i mean you you name it i got i had it thrown at me yeah uh, and i think well, there was the other classic quote i quite like was the fact that you said what did, what do you expect it was a rundown um holiday resort in um just outside liverpool yeah i mean the interesting thing was that the show was actually put up along, along with my my friend and colleague tom wood at the at the uh the open eye gallery in liverpool and no one better than i did because everyone knows what new brighton's like the moment it came down to the serpentine that's when all hell let loose but but also you did you did wait until the rubbish built up at the end of the day didn't you to, to take your photographs yeah, to, you know uh, i'm creating uh like a fiction out of reality so i've got to make sure the litter is absolutely is worse so that's the end of the day on a bank holiday weekend that would be when i'd be uh you know shooting the most pictures so is that equivalent to Roger Fenton moving cannonballs around in Crimea? Well, I wasn't moving anything. I didn't have to, I didn't need to move litter around. It was there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's the same thing, if you like. I mean, I think photography is perfectly entitled to do that. Uh, one final, do you ever wonder what happened to some of the people that you, you captured in those pictures? Yeah, we, we did a show in Brighton about four years ago and uh, Ken Grant, Tom Wood and myself all put our pictures up of New Brighton. And we had quite a few people made themselves known who had been in the pictures anyone who did that got a print and a thank you basically so yes we we had a show there and it's hugely successful lots of people love to see that the exhibition what did the people say i wasn't there i wasn't there you know i was there at the opening and we had quite a few people then and they were very pleased to meet us and to see the pictures again after that maybe more people came in that had been um, in the photos uh, so i don't really know but um I'd say the exhibition had a lot of people go through it and it was a big success. I wondered um, how you deal sort of in the beginning of your career and now sort of with criticism, if your works are heavily criticised by, certainly in the beginning, by the so-called you know, expert art critics. Did, do you take that to heart? Does it, has it upset you at all or has that changed how you feel about it? No, I mean, I've had a lot of criticism of my work. Many people don't like it. Some people like it, such as yourselves. Thank you for that. Um, and, you know, in the end, I guess uh, it's better to be uh, discussed and controversial than ignored. So, you know, I suppose the, 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 the fuss that these pictures have caused has done me no harm. Can I ask on that thread, was there ever a day you thought, this photography thing, it's too much, too hard, I'm going to do something else? No, no, I've always kept going. I've always been obsessed with it. Yeah, so no, I haven't thought that. What What does obsession look like for you? How does that manifest oh, in your... I'm still doing it after 50 years and being excited to do it and still thinking, you know, maybe this time when I go out shooting, I can get a good picture. One of those times that you get per year. 
So you're not demotivated by pictures that don't catch anything for you? No, because you have, to, you have to take all those. You have to have the momentum of taking those before you can get anything good. You know, you've got to be warming up, if you like. You can't just wait there uh, with your finger on the shutter and say, I'm only going to do it when it's a great picture. Otherwise, you'd never start. And how much time do you allocate to looking through what you've taken? Uh, no, I can edit pretty quickly. I mean, I edit on the screen here. And then we actually print out the uh, pictures. Uh, 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 we send high res to a lab in Manchester called DS. And the following day, they come back uh, as 10 prints. And they're 45 for each. So, so that's I always... a daily process? No, no, not at all. Because I don't take pictures every day. I won't be taking a single picture today. So, um, you know, it's, it's the weekend when I'm out. Uh, next thing I'm shooting is Friday evening. I'm going to an opening in Bristol. I'll take my camera then. I mean, obviously, New Brighton is something you went away to at the weekends. But for some of the um, the, um, the 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 England shots and those, did you invite yourselves to the? I'm trying thinking of the occasion with the the lady with the cakes um, and the judging. Um, uh, and I, I'm not quite current. Oh, yeah, no, that was, was a you know I, that was a, a small uh, rural agricultural show, and I'd arranged it with them to come along and do the filming. So yes, that was all set up. Permission was sought and granted. Okay. And it, had you an, any idea what you might... Um, Not really, think? no. I mean, it just happened. It worked out very well. So, um, you know, sometimes serendipity comes along and helps you. And, and how do you feel about some of the characters you've interviewed? Because in, in that film, there's a bit where the lady's doing the judging. You, your immediate reaction, at least me too as a viewer, was, oh, she, she sounds very harsh and, and very severe. And then she did this lovely interview about saying how she thought England had improved because people had got loads more opportunities. And, and then you got duffed up by a lady who turned up because you criticised her apple yeah. pie. Well, my job as a filmmaker is to, is to sort of, you know, basically egg them on and say something a bit to, that they're, they're going to react to. That helps me get good dialogue. So, yeah, it's, it's all planned and done on purpose. So is there a, an amount of theatre about it then? Uh, no, it's just knowing how to ask a question to bring out and draw out uh, the people and what they want to say. I mean, I don't know whether you looked at my um, interviews on the YouTube channel from the foundation. There's like 15 of them now of different interviews with photographers. And uh, they're more sort of gentle laid, out, laid back, but I'd also occasionally ask a, a question that I know is going to sort of get a response from the the photographer. I, I was very impressed with your stuff in Finland where you actually got naked and went into the sauna with your camera. <laughs> right, yes. It had to take a while to warm up a camera. Those sort of events, yeah. I mean, it can uh, be done. It can be done. <laughs> Half an hour to warm up. And, and is it that sort of dedication to the cause which is needed to be successful? I think so. Yeah, you've got to be obsessed. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. So, um, you know, that applies to your good self as well. Yeah, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. There are mornings when I don't go out with my camera and I curse myself because there's right. always something you see which you think, ah, oh, that might have made a good shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm intrigued that, that you think that, that, that smartphones might be a way to do documentary in the future. Well, many people do it already. I mean, uh, we had someone get enter Magnum with just his iPhone pictures. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's all possible. And you've got lots of experience of curating. So in terms of like other people's work, is there a certain style or medium or is it just that you're drawn towards or any particular themes or is it something that is, is it kind of similar to what to what you're sort of into with your own practice? It wouldn't necessarily be exactly what I do, but, you know, I'm looking for work that I haven't uh, 
it's going to challenge me and I hadn't seen before in any shape or form. You know, too much of the work we see generally is quite generic. You can see the people that are copying other photographers. Nothing wrong with that, but in the end, we have to develop our own voice within photography. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. It's an individual voice that I hadn't seen before that's refreshing. And um, I'm not really sure about the world of photography as much as I'm with the world of fine art, but with the world of fine arts is becoming more and more awash with the world of NFTs, which obviously has got some positives and negatives and a very debatable subject. Is it something you'd ever consider using? No, your I, work? I mean, Magnum have done uh, two sets so far, and there's one more to go, and then I'll just stop doing them. I didn't want to sort of be a pooper and not go along with Magnum's attempt to do NFTs and raise money in a different way. So yeah, I've contributed to two, and I'll do one more, then I'll stop. So I, I don't really want to do NFTs, basically, of, of my main images. Why is that? Um, it's, it's a bit of a gimmick, really, isn't it? I mean, you don't know who, who needs it. I prefer to have a print any day. So what, what else are you taking pictures of? So you've got your opening on Friday. Well, yes, there's that. Um, there's plenty of other things. I mean, this summer I did a whole lot of work. I think if you go to Magnum, you can see it. In terms of projects coming up? Uh, well, I've got different shows coming up. I've got three shows at Parry Photo, which is just coming up. I'm doing a, an exhibition with Cassia Bresson, which is quite funny. Uh, I'm doing uh, my Irish show, which has been around four different venues. is having its last show in Paris. And I've also got up at the moment in Magnum Gallery um, a project called Deja Vu, where they've linked uh, some of my pictures with anonymous pictures from... Uh, the collection done by Lee, Lee Shulman. And I take it you're not going to um, Photo Paris? No, no, I year. will go to that, yeah. Oh, yeah. will you? Oh, good. Good. Well, we'd like to see you there because we've, we've got a school trip out to Photo Paris. Great. What days are you going? We're going Thursday and Friday. Oh, right. Good. So you're going to be rushing around trying to see everything. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, I think so. Um, I, I presume I haven't been to Photo Paris. Is it much, much bigger than Photo London? Uh, I think, well, it's in, a, it's in a temporary position, but I think it will be bigger. It's certainly more important than Photo London. Um, you know, while the Grand Palais is being done up, they're in this big tent by the side of the Eiffel Tower. So I haven't been, so I assume it'll be pretty big. They can't really make it smaller because um, they, they lose the income. So, yeah, that's my guess. And which days are you going? I'm going Monday to Sunday because I've got lots of openings and lots of book signings to do, talks to do, etc. Oh, to bring my book out and see if we can get you to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of, of, of genres, do you think it's important that photographers stick to, to one thing? You're obviously a, a documentary maker and a documentary photographer. Do you think that, that's important that, that your audience know what you're going to deliver them? Well, I think if you're launching your career, you need a good, solid project that uh, demonstrates your interest in the world out there and how you express that through photography. Otherwise, you're going to be one of these people that uh, does a bit of everything, but is, is nice, but is not particularly good at anything. A jack of all trades rather than a master of one. Yeah, yeah. We've mentioned um, smartphones a, a few times. Do, do you take pictures on your phone? Yeah, I, mean, I took some this morning of uh, some pictures in a book that I need to send to a dealer. So I use it as a very functional thing. So I don't take many sort of real pictures. But, uh, you know, I'm sort of tempted by the iPhone 14 because everyone says the quality is so, so amazing. Yeah, no, I think they've come on an extraordinary way, haven't they, just in a few years. How would your dream art school 
be yeah. and uh, what would it consist of in terms of facilities or teaching structure and I know you've, you've taught yourself a lot over the years in, including Helsinki you did some teaching out there uh, yeah. so and, and if there was a particular handout just one handout that you give to the students to take away from mm-hmm. from that day what what would it be well I might give them a very good book like a copy of the Americans by um, Robert Frank or uh, A Day Off by Tony Ray Jones, something like that. Uh, my dream art school, well, it wouldn't start with lighting. Throw, I mean, I, I, did like, um, I did like the David Hearn course down at uh, you know, Newport, which I used to teach on, and he threw people out straight away. We had to do um, Man at Work, you know, a simple thing, but not easy to do. Uh, so I think uh, his way of teaching people was, was pretty interesting and good. Great. Uh, John, you got a question? Obviously, there are cultural differences in photography. There are um, similar schools of photography within cultures. Japan, for example, might be said to be one, the USA, France. Is there one place that you think photography is particularly exciting or growing, developing itself to be more exciting at the moment? Or do you think it's all just too globalized now and that you, you just need to see what comes to the surface and there isn't particularly one focus you'd have well i do think uh, japan is still a, a great country for photography they buy more photography books than anyone else uh, and likewise in europe you've got france where again people support and love photography in a big way but you know i, I would go for somewhere like iran where you know i've seen some great books coming out from uh, that country and right now with the protests and what's going on there must be some people taking pictures probably secretly that it would be interesting. So that would be my um, joker. Go to Iran, see what they're doing. Thank you for that. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us, Martin. Thank everyone with your careers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. See you in Paris. Yeah, cheers now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Artcast today. We were joined by Martin Parr and we were also joined by Karen Mulville from our HE Access to Art and Design, Nick Gardner from our BA Ons in Photography, John Pettit from our HNC in Photography, and Emma Allen from our HNC in Fine Art. You can check out Martin Parr's work at martinparr.com, which includes recent works, books, films, a blog, an archive, and a shop. The next episode will feature artist Ryan Gander, and I hope you can join us then. <laughs>